0: It is Ghost Machine week, and we will be reviewing Ghost Machine number one. Can't wait to dive into that. We have so many books to talk about this week. We've got all four pals. We've
1: got Kale. What's up, hot dogs? Marco. Hello, Raisin Bran. Tyler. I can really go for a lobster roll right now, actually. (laughs) And of course,
0: I'm Sean, not hungry, but excited to talk about all of these comics this week. We've got the aforementioned Ghost Machine number one. I fumbled and did not get the uh, the holographic variant, which uh, I wanted, but... Sean, did you, get to,
1: did you get to stand one of those Brad Meltzer signed ones? There was a couple at the, the place you shop at.
0: No. No. Yeah. I didn't okay. even know that. Dang. Do you happen I to have... Like,
1: if you open it, do you have it? Like, oh, is it... Is it signed? No. It's, okay. uh, All right. There were some. I think he was signing inside. I saw it on their Instagram. Okay. Yeah, that would have been cool.
0: Uh, we're gonna. Some of us are gonna be talking Titans Beast World number five. It's Had funny. to add that to the docket. Some us of are. us. Uh, not Tyler. <laughs> oh, some I didn't know. Some of read us read are correctly. gonna be talking <laughs> Green Arrow number eight. Not me. I'm gonna check in on the Holy Roller. Uh, we're gonna be talking Resurrection of Magneto number one. Gods number four. Look at this sick variant. Come on. Oh. I got that variant for the slide. So what we'll have to do is so I I actually have an answer this time, Kale. This is Dustin Wen, Felipe Masa Ron Lim, and Israel Silva.
2: All right. All right.
0: Yeah. Uh, did you
2: say Ron Lim? Yes. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. The immortal
0: four in a long time. Number six, and we're checking in with X-Force at the grand old number of 48. Oof.
1: Nice. Oh, wait, that's the wrong number.
0: A lot of books today. A lot of books today. Welcome to everybody who was hanging out with us live or otherwise. Make sure you click that like button if you're on YouTube. If you're not, there are plenty of ways to support us. Uh, You guys know all of them. And if you don't, I'll tell you about them a little later on. Let's talk Ghost Machine. So it's been a few months now since the big announcement at New York Comic Con. And we've gotten, you know, the Geiger stuff. But this is really ground zero, as it were, for Ghost Machine proper. And it features all the books that we know about that are announced in some form or fashion. Get a little tease here. Um, so almost all of the creators involved in Ghost Machine get to play a little bit in this, you know, little smorgasbord of teasers and previews. And it starts off with, it's a Geiger story that shifts into a Red Coat story. Um, it's really the unnamed universe tease. And so it's Gary Frank, Jeff Johns, Brad Anderson, Brian Hitch uh the geiger story is really just a small little thing that sets up the first issue of geiger to come in april um where he meets with this nuclear knight and they have a little chat we saw these pages when jeff and gary were on the show and they looked just as good as they did then live
3: yeah sneak peek and and yeah i think you described it well there smorgasbord there's a little charcuterie board of different little flavors and things like that and um a good a good sampler for people who want to get into this and i think they chose interesting characters and interesting stories in particular the rockefellers kind of knocked it out for me I, I i caught myself caught myself laughing a few times and um i'm happy for those good moments cuz it's very as jeff had had been saying you know genre focused and I think you can feel that in each of the individual stories. Yeah,
0: I, I totally agree. Um, so, I mean, this this got me pre amped for Geiger to be a monthly series. I think I'm probably the person who likes Geiger the most among us. Um, I
3: like
0: it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jeff and Gary, they really haven't done us any wrong. I like seeing Geiger a little unhinged. He's now that he knows for sure that his family is dead. Um, he doesn't really have anything else to live for. So it's going to be exciting to see how that aspect of this whole thing plays on. We got our first. Oh, go ahead, Tyler.
1: No, keep, keep going. Cause I want to talk about this as a whole rather than, okay. Yeah.
0: We got our first taste of red coat. Um, I, I mean, this is going to be a lot of fun, this, this red coat situation, because we get these teases and the way his powers work is every time that he would die, he wakes up, you know, sort of at another point point. Um, and he ne- never really knows what situation he's going to find himself in. And he's been alive since, you know, the 1700s or whatever. A um, lot of fun. I really like what Brian Hitch is doing red coat gives me Chris Hemsworthy vibes. Um, but uh, yeah,
3: this is this is awesome. I can see that. I, I like the comedy cuz it's I think it's hard to do comedy in comics sometimes. Yeah. And the moment where you get the he dies, wakes up, dies, wakes up, that rule of 3 and the last one's like he's awake and he's being sacrificed by a cult. Good stuff. Good payoff.
1: I thought the Brian Hearth art was very good in that actually. Um, yes. It's Nice seeing Brian Hitch not doing giant Capes and Cowles books.
4: Because
1: hmm. uh, I don't remember the last time I've seen him do that. Um, so a, a revolutionary Civil War-esque setting is very different than what I'm used to. Um, and I thought it was really good. Even like the, the giant splash pages uh, that we had. I think there were two or so. Uh, really interesting. Um, that the 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 hitch stuff is what really drew me into that that book that story more than anything.
0: I just want to stop the conversation real quick uh, to point out Jackson Williams in the chat, who said, "I'm guessing Sean got twelve books this week." We'll get into the the stack a little bit later. I see all you guys; you guys are fantastic. Hmm. But I'm shouting out Jackson because. Uh, Jackson is a channel member, and I did not know that. So, Ooh, thank you so nice. much, Jackson, for being a VI pal. We appreciate you. Hope you've been enjoying your early access videos. And uh, I want to see those emojis in the chat. Go ahead, Kale.
2: Uh, I'm really interested to see what uh, Jeff will do with the historical figures, because mm. it really seems like we're gonna de- we're gonna deal with a lot of them. And that's gonna be sort of, you know, besides like uh Redcoat's narrative engine, you know, his his coming back to life all the time or whatever. You've got uh, you know, your Benedict Arnold, your Annie Oakley, um Einstein, George George Washington, Einstein. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see the flavor Jeff is gonna put into those characters. Um and and how it'll be different from the other ways they've been portrayed.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, Redcoat seems like it's going to be a trip, for sure. Um, then we get these we get these character bios that uh, show us, you know, Geiger and Junkyard Joe and Redcoat, the Northerner, and President Sarah Nash. That's the only character tease of anything that we get for uh first ghost that we don't see anything else from that which is what Meltzer's working on and I was excited to see more of that but I guess it's probably further along or yeah, was, not as far along
2: yeah, I was kind of disappointed to only see that yeah mm.
0: I like these bios though they're cool
1: reminds me mm. of uh the uh encyclopedia of Marvel comics the A to Z
2: yeah DC used to do these. Yeah. They used to be in the back of all the books. I, uh, Jeff and I talked about those uh, the last time he was here. That's hilarious. Um, and they, uh, they, man, they were cool. And they read just like that. Yeah. It's good I'm stuff. positive I have books with those in them.
0: Now, I just want to go back to my Hemsworth statement, right? Look at this one for Redcoat. Yeah. Does that not look like Chris Hemsworth? I see it. Who's the brother? Uh Liam. That's what it looked like.
3: Well,
1: wow. <laughs> forgetting the the third Hemsworth too that nobody remembers. You're
0: more of a Liam
1: than Yeah, it that's
4: just. right. That's right. <laughs>
0: uh, but then then we get into the red the rook exodus part, which was this to me was the big standout. Because Jason Fabach is, I mean, my man is put he put he's putting his whole ass into Rook Exodus. Like, he is putting his hat in the ring for,
1: you know, best artist out right now. I'm simple uh, when it comes to comics sometimes. Where, like, if you give me animals in cool animal-themed costumes, like, I think of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie when they get those those new costumes and the new transformations and stuff. Like, I'm a sucker for that. So now, like, that I have a whole sci-fi book that's essentially that Um, One guy controls warthogs, and he seems like kind or or boars rather, and he seems like kind of an idiot. I love that stuff. Uh, I'm excited for this. This looks really, really fun.
3: the The world building that gets sort of teased out in this was really interesting for me. The fact that there are different kind of factions, the wardens that they that they start to describe, I think they do a good job of giving you an introduction to these two characters. Your could be your POVs, and then. The rest of the world is yet to be explored and um there's so much under uh there's so much there and the fact that he's trying to leave a corporate planet like that that inherently is is interesting like we're fucking we're heading that way soon so you know t- show me how to get out
0: yo this is my shit. Mm. like i've been wanting like without realizing it a badass like action adventure story in comics and i feel like as weird as it sounds there's not that much of that outside of just superheroes um and so i'm all in on this like this is like like where kaya is kind of very fun and has you know uh more simplistic um drawings that appeal to kids and it's got that fantasy side this is that action adventure hard-boiled big character action figure type of shit that i am definitely looking for holy shit i want a mask real bad you know they are going to be toys oh 100% oh, yeah.
1: that that's what i'm excited for
2: man no Killed to be a turtle here just we go didn't do anything for me Ooh. wow Ugh. i just like i i didn't i didn't get enough and and it's a uh, an overall sort of issue I have with this book, mm-hmm. but like I I need more to sell me here. Like these are incredible designs, but like uh, I should I, I I need more here.
1: Yeah. Once we because I, I it seems like you're going through each story, Sean. So I do have thoughts on the whole package of it. Um, mm-hmm that are not too far different but yeah
3: but but it's like an ash can like uh, i feel like that's the expectation yeah. let's keep and, going let's keep going okay all right so then we get into the
0: family universe uh and we 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 get a peek at the Rockefellers, and the Rockefellers got a lot of space which was appropriate because we just don't we haven't really known much and i think for the nature of it, it's a family story. There are a lot of characters. You got to get them all over in the same, sh- you know, short piece. So them getting the extended run here was smart. And
3: I gotta say, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, good bits, good story. I like the characters. The dad looks like he's you know holding it down. For some reason, it reminded me of like uh... <laughs> it reminded me of like a George Lopez type story. Yo, I
0: mean,
3: did you feel that, dude?
0: <laughs> No, but now that you say it, yeah, sure.
3: Like, like that. It just felt like, oh, this is an episode, but in the future, and he's just like trying to get the, wrangle the family together, and like, let's go out to eat. Nobody wants to do a thing. It, it' very slice of life, and I'm that's my jam. So I, I had, I had a lot of fun with this stuff.
1: Yeah, dude. The the cover they've shown is literally the an homage to Little Miss Sunshine movie poster. Um, they even have the the van in this. You know, it's it's very Little mm. Miss Sunshine in a way. Um, I just miss Francis Manipal, you know. I'm mm. sure he's one of my favorites out there ever. So I will literally read anything that pulls on.
2: We got horns being halo. Oh, I'm sorry, Kale. Go ahead. I was going to say Tomasi does a really great job showcasing personalities through all this. And there, everyone is so different.
1: Yeah. And in such quick little bites too. Right? Yeah. I thought that was pretty, pretty, pretty like expertly done.
0: Yeah. And, I don't know if these are going, if these are like excerpts from the completed book or if these were specifically done for this sampler. But um, if it was not designed specifically for this sampler, or rather, if it was, this is top level shit because of the fact that there was so much work to be done in these few pages. Like this is. That's that's the hardest thing to do. You know, ask any comic book writer. It's those five. What how much story can you tell in five pages? You know? Um, and this was a little more than five, but it was a lot more characters. So uh very much hats off to Pete Damasio and Manipul on that one.
2: And the the panel accounts on on these pages are pretty crazy too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh next up we got Hornsby and Halo. This one I really didn't care too much about. It's these two kids that are, I guess, you know, an angel and a devil that are, you know, they, they, they're living on Earth, adopted, um, and it just sort of showcases their their, their childlike rivalry um, with each other. And uh, I don't know. That just didn't really grab me. I didn't, I didn't connect with that.
1: The premise of nature versus nurture, because I believe the angel is being raised by a devil family and the devil girl is being raised by, raised by an angel family. Yeah. Um that's interesting. But yeah, this one I was probably the least hot on, but it's just not my genre. Hmm.
3: But I wasn't sure what the genre was. Like if this was more slice of life, I didn't feel that because there's a little bit of kind of magic and fantasy built in. But similarly, I wasn't I I also wasn't um as attached to the characters um or the like their troubles. Like, I I felt for the kid, but uh it it wasn't enough to get me to like really care uh, and feel sorry for him.
2: By the by, the time you get to the the interesting part, you're kind of watching this sort of wondering why you sat through all that. Like, what's the hook here? Right. And yeah. By the time the hook comes, you've kind of already checked out. Yeah, agreed.
0: We'll say though, I really like the Peter Sneshberg art. It's
2: good stuff,
3: cartoony.
1: Yeah,
0: but- I-, I thought it was appropriate. It gives me like Saturday morning
2: cartoon type of vibe. Mm, sure, oh, almost almost Hanna Barbera. E. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot what I was gonna say.
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, then last up, we get the the Hyde Street bit,
1: um, which was awesome. I really like that. Is the premise Twilight Zone? Is that is that the premise? I had issues yes. trying to figure out what that book was, um, because it yeah. felt very much every place has a Hyde Street, just like the Twilight Zone. You could be part of the Twilight Zone wherever, and there would be these moral horror stories that are being told. Yeah, I guess through exactly. the series with the Mr. X-ray glasses as like our Rod Serling type character. Mm. But I had trouble piecing that together cuz we don't really get I mean we get a very light you know moral story with the the actor who's addicted to a dog and people in general and then you know something bad happens to him. Um but I'm so unsure of the full premise of what that's that that book is going to be. That's the exact premise. OK, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I was trying to piece it together. And that's what I gathered. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is.
3: Yeah, I got I got goosebumps vibes. I got like a, a nice little anthology series, which I think works and maybe capitalizing off of something like, yeah, Matt Murphy in the chat mentions it. Uh, Ice Cream Man, you know, that that corner, that kind of storytelling device. What's the other one with um, Michael Walsh? Silver Silver Coin silver coin yeah. you know and like that that's, that's sort songs, of in and you can kind of take advantage of that and these are talented creators that i think make sense to be able to put behind um but similarly i, I it, it wasn't until i think towards the end where like the the woman walks into the store or walks out of the store with here's your, your your weight loss thing and um that then i was like oh i guess this is um i had to piece it together as opposed to it feeling like it was presented to me that way
0: that's interesting. I, I, uh, I, did you guys read the advertisement, first of all? Uh, I, I had, I, no. yeah, not, not, not all of it. Okay. Cause I read that. And so everything that was happening made sense immediately because you can see the kid is wearing the, the magic protective thing. He uses the dog whistle. We, we know about all of those objects because they're already teased. So it made it fun to watch it play out.
3: Oh, the bank register thing? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought that was okay. more of a,
1: a page break as opposed to actual content. Okay.
3: Mm. Yeah, same. Huh. Okay, cool.
1: I, I will say, it's a, it's a strange
2: book for Ivan Reese.
1: I, yeah. I don't mean that as, a, as, a, as pejorative.
2: It's got to be a stretch. Uh, It's got like, as in like making him work, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's got to be some different genre. I'm used to uh, Atlanta's attacks, Justice (laughs) League, you know, like uh, world-ending cataclysmic events drawn by Ivan Race. He's doing Beast World right now, you know. Uh, So I'm curious to see what is going to be cooked up for him there.
0: Didn't he do the Trench though? Wasn't that? Wasn't he with Jeff Johns on that? The Aquaman stuff. Oh.
1: Uh, yeah, but I'm, uh, yeah, that's horror, and I'm not really talking about the horror aspect, more as, like, it's a lady getting diet How many
2: children were in that?
1: Well, those trench, those trench people could have been children, we don't know. Aquaman could have killed a whole species of children, and we didn't realize it, yeah.
0: I really liked this, uh, this was, this was my pick of the week. Um, I... i really, really, really liked the Rook Exodus tease. Um, the Rook Exodus and the Hyde Street ones really grabbed me. The The other stuff, and, and Geiger, you know, I, I love Geiger. But the other stuff I'm going to need to cook on a little bit more. But when you have Art This Good and Jeff Johns is on so many of these books, um, it's just sort of, for me, it's sort of undeniable. I'm not 100% sold on everything, but I really, really liked a lot of what we got.
1: Yeah. Not to continue the food analogies, but I'm gonna. Uh, This felt like a good cocktail hour at a party. You know, you get all these little hors d'oeuvres here and there. Um, I don't feel like I can call it my pick of the week because it doesn't feel a full like a feel like a full meal. Like I don't think there's a full story here. I think it's it's for five bucks, which is essentially standard now, mostly right is if it, is it's 4.99 standard comics or 3.99 yeah. at this point um yeah. there's a lot here and i think a lot of it's good and i think it is good to have different flavors of stuff like the family odyssey stuff was very different than the rest of it um and i think there will be people who like that as well but i don't think i can pick make my pick of the week cuz it doesn't feel like a full comic and that's really not what it is it's really a souped-up ad for full comics that we'll get down the line, and I think it has gotten me excited, especially for the unnamed universe stuff. Um, but I can't make it my pick of the week.
2: Hear that? I, to be honest, I have trouble with the fact that this is five bucks. It's like Tyler said, this is an ad. Like, uh, we're we're paying for an ad now. Like, I feel like this should have been handed out at Comic-Con. I just, like, this was pretty uh, disappointing for me. Like, I, I I think I would have preferred, like, a real number one. Like, bring out Rook Exodus. Mm. Or put it on the back burner, you know? Like, I just, like, these little these little vignettes are again we're we're a good enough haster but when are we gonna see these and you know in this sort of economy where we're having to churn through stuff every week how long is this gonna sit in our memory I, I, I just don't really think this was worth it I think I
3: think it it could have been advertised as that ash can because like that, that to me makes sense. Like it it is, it is a series of teasers meant to build, to drum up excitement for the books that are coming out, uh, April, if I'm not mistaken. So like there, there's still a little bit more time. Um, and I mean, I think to your point on if this was, you know, a actually someone brings it up in the, in the chat for free comic book day, this would be killer for that. I think that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. Um. But for for what this is, I would have even said, you know, like a February launch, a March launch should be like, this is coming out in two months. Next month, have it on your radar Um, would probably be helpful, but they're probably working towards that final cutoff order. So um, I understand the logic behind putting this out. You want to build that excitement for people to start to order ahead of time.
1: Yeah, that's just the name of the game for the market. The content yeah. market at the time like
3: like I agree in terms of like
1: normal how normal things in entertainment work doing this cool appetizer for something that doesn't come out for another three months seems tough but that's just the way the business is you know this is to drum up hype for that Geiger ongoing the red coat ongoing
0: I, I'm, I'm sort of surprised because I really don't think that this is I think I don't think this is outside of par for the course Um, I feel like, you know, they're launching a brand new company and they're trying to get over characters. They're not banking on their names um, alone. And they need stores to order this comic book or these comic (laughs) books. And being able to put stuff in readers' hands and say, you don't have to wonder what our books are going to be like. We're showing you what they're going to be like. And if you like Family Odyssey when it's solicited, then you're gonna get it. You're not gonna you're not gonna be like, ah, $4.99. Do I care? I don't know. You'll know. You'll know one way or another. Presuming you bought this, I think it's really smart. Um, you know, Distillery did it. They put out when they put out the Devil's Cut. It was a very very similar thing. Of course, we know Image did it. Marvel does it annually. Um, although it's a little bit of a different thing, I feel like this is pretty standard fare. But that doesn't mean you have to like.
2: Uh, it's yeah, pass for me. I don't know. Maybe I didn't need to say that, but yeah, it's a pass for me just to put that stamp on it.
3: Sure.
1: Do you guys have a, a story you're most excited for out of all these?
3: Oh, Rook Exodus, man, that's an instant pull.
2: I think I had the most fun with red coat. Mm, I can see that. You would, you expat. <laughs> I love a guy in a red coat. Who
3: doesn't?
0: Uh, David Barr says, cannot understand how DC could let go of Jason Fabok, Jeff Johns, Ivan Reese, et cetera. Well, I mean, what about 10 years ago when Marvel let go of, you know, all the Matt Fraction, Rick Remender, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or in the nineties when Marvel let go of Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's just kind of how it goes. And There's it doesn't more really feel money like to be made elsewhere. And
1: mm-hmm. it doesn't really feel like a let go as much as like creators realize that I am not getting paid for the work I am doing in 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 the bigger scheme of things. You know, for like Aquaman and, and just the characters they create. So them deciding to like, all right, we'll just do it somewhere else, will own it? It makes sense to me.
3: Uh hmm. Fee waiver Fee waiver makes a good point of $5 not being worth it but it being 64 pages. Uh and then Brave and the Bold charges $8 for the same type of content. But I think I'd argue to Kale's point that's a complete story. It's not. And that, and that's sort of the value to some degree.
0: Brave and the Bold is a story is a, those are stories being told in chunks over issues.
2: And hey, listen, I'm not happy about that either. Like, <laughs> eight bucks is too fucking much.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Um, Ghost Machine is going to have the best art on the shelves. I agree with that. Easy. That's yeah. Tough to compete. 100%. Yeah. Really, really tough to compete with that. I think it's tough to compete with our Patreon. I put it up against any any other Patreon. Anybody else in this space is Patreon. That's patreon.com slash thecomicspals where we are always giving you bang for your buck. If you want to support us, we are trying to give you as much as we can for that support, uh, which means that every single week you are getting a newsletter. Once a month, you are getting an episode of Palling Around, which is our Patreon-exclusive show. Every single week, you're getting a shout-out and a nickname on the main show, so check it out: patreon.com/slash/the-comics-pals. Pick your tier, join us today. Channel members, we see you. We thank you, those of you who are with us live, those of you who are, you know, who join us every week. We appreciate you guys and hope that you enjoy your early access videos, your emojis, and more to come. An announcement actually about the channel membership uh, this Saturday. So. That should be fun. Watch this show live every single Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern, every Saturday for the main show at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern. Now I want to quickly head on over to the poll, the listener Mm -hmm. pick poll, where you guys get to vote for for one of the books that we'll be talking about on this very show. So this week on the poll, we have Avengers Twilight number two. Alan Scott, Green Lantern number four, Duke number two, and Wolverine number 42. Avengers Twilight, surprisingly, winning the poll with 43% of the vote. I'm surprised by that. Um I, I didn't realize how big of a hit that was. Duke at number two with 35. Uh Wolverine at 13%, and Alan Scott with nine percent. I'm I'm shocked by that.
3: Damn wow do we, read, uh, do we read avengers twilight number one i'm trying to remember that yeah we did it was last week marco just <laughs> literally last week was that really <laughs> oh, it was captain america right yeah yeah yeah. oh that's right okay
1: damn you really are sick
0: <laughs> i voted for wolverine i'm gonna be honest
3: Ooh, i did duke
1: you want you need to go to the bathroom or
3: yeah real quick actually it it's
1: yeah weird. okay yeah.
0: I, I'm gonna. I might change my vote though. It's 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 a non-vote anyway at this point. Wolverine and winning, Jack. Yeah, I did yes. Alan Scott,
2: so I'm in. I'm in that same camp. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Atomic Ooh. Hound says, "Late but alive and awake." I will take it. Welcome, thank you, Atomic Hound, for always making it. Appreciate you and wishing you a speedy recovery, my friend. Uh, I Amin mean, Perez rejoins the channel membership. Thank you for joining us.
3: Well, allegedly, because he's he's definitely not Amin Perez. True. <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Continuing a legacy. You guys remember definitely not Sean Soapbox?
3: Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. That oh, even me, right? Yeah. Huh? yeah I don't that know if you ever team. found that out.
0: I know. I I, I actually you, know you know
3: yeah.
0: that that listener is not around anymore. It's so weird.
2: Um no for real. Wait, did they die? Like I don't,
0: know. I don't know. I mean they're not around these parts, you know, I don't know. know. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh channel memberships and super chats are open. If you want to become a channel member, click the join button. And of course, super chats uh click the uh the support button. Let's roll right into Titans Beast World number 5. This is just a quick hit. Uh, written by Tom Taylor, with art by Ivan Reese and Eduardo Panicia, Uh, Danny Mickey, and Julio Ferreira. Um, This was my favorite issue of Titans Beast World yet. I really, really, really liked this a lot. I thought it drove in on the emotional side of things, which is exactly what I think uh, makes sense at this point because it's not working as a It's not working as a, whoa, this is a crazy big thing that's happening. I don't think that that part is landing. I literally laughed when I opened the book. um, And I laughed for several seconds when I saw (laughs) the greatest heroes that have ever been known to mankind literally just floating in space. Yeah. Which is all that they've been doing for this entire book. And it's nuts. Um, The, the the the,
2: The first caption says, so many of the heroes were there. And they were just watching
1: <laughs> powerless. This is like, it's like the cuck chair of a superhero or superheroics right now. They're just, they're just there watching. They really,
2: really, really bad. And it's apt too, because they can jump
3: in at any point. <laughs> they could yeah. have figured it out. I, I, I'm glad you said that, Sean, because that recontextualizes this a little bit. Because um, I was, I was mostly frustrated by the, by the the sort of mechanisms going going around with Waller like oh we're the the solution being we're just gonna kill everybody and 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 that felt silly but you're right in that we had these sort of tender moments where um Raven in particular was uh, you know heartbroken she's she's distraught by the at the fact that um Beast Boy's dead now and and the the thing that stood out for me was you know she could let herself go to that deeper end but it's not what he would have wanted you know that like He would not have wanted her to have that anger on his behalf. And that, that I think worked really well to your point.
0: I also thought Nightwing felt like a leader in this issue, you know, seeing him, they, you know, sort of say, look, I'm, we're not going to go, you know, Defcon five here with cyborg strategy because of how bad that would be for everybody. Um, or for them, you know, perception-wise. He's like, let me go talk to Waller. Maybe I can convince her that they don't need to do this. You know, Mm -hmm. her whole plan, spoilers, it wasn't advertised that we're going to talk about this, so spoilers. Um, uh, Her whole plan is to kill a million people, the million people who have been turned into beasts. And Nightwing wants to stop that. The the Titans want to stop that. And uh, you know he has this battle with Peacemaker that I really really liked, mm. and then he realizes quickly that Waller's not trying to hear him.
2: And go
3: ahead, Marco. Is she possessed? Was that the thing? No, nah, dog. Because like just an asshole. Because like at the end, hate or whatever comes out. But I I thought it was because uh like that was technically who was because I, I thought for a hot second. He was controlling her and that just destroyed all of her autonomy to which I would have been upset. That's that's not what I got out of.
2: Mm, yeah, me I, either. Yeah.
0: I assume that he was just or well, <laughs> she, I what? guess more spoilers. Yeah, uh, was just there in waiting mm. for this to happen you know, for the moment to, to arise, which was a cool swerve. I didn't see that coming at all. And yeah, so this was the issue I've been waiting for. This was awesome. Might be my pick of the week. Holy shit.
2: Wow. I, uh, I definitely could have used a lot more, um, a lot more of a, a centralized reason for the public, to turn on the yeah. heroes, yeah, you know, similar to the uh, the Stanford thing in Civil War, like we have this one localized event that's hyper specific, and now public perception is like, oh yeah, no, these heroes suck. But like cyborg using, you know, uh, taking control over drones so that they can't kill a million people, it's actually not that bad. <laughs>
0: See, but I think that's you thinking as a person who's not living in a world overrun by beasts that are killing everybody. I think in the moment of that happening, you would be a villain if you weren't trying to stop that.
3: But but I feel like an, an easy alternative would be surely we can find a cure. Like, is that not a kinder solution to like I understand it is ongoing, but is is uh. uh yeah not- I
2: also think if you're you know if your partner was turned into a beast person, do you want them dead immediately? Right Of course
0: not. but you but you are thinking that way, but then there are millions of people whose partner isn't a beast that are dying that don't want anyone else to die. So it's not hard for me to understand why people would want that to happen. People don't even care about millions of people dying in the world now today. Because they're not, it doesn't affect them. So if there was a real crisis happening right now, people would do anything to make it stop.
2: Mm, Well, unless you're the U.S. government.
1: Never mind. I didn't read the book. I don't need to talk about it.
3: Well, I mean, (laughs) not off base, but but then the fact that uh, the cyborg could just go in and dis disarm the drones. It's like, but Waller's intelligent. She understands that he exists. Like. And then I started spinning on to This doesn't make sense. It. Uh, but she
2: she says herself she knew that was gonna happen. Yeah,
3: she has. This is her whole
0: plan right now. That yeah. is a part of her plan.
3: No, well, hold on. She's like, Did you <laughs> yeah, a... dog, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> but she has this whole like surprise face. She's like, what, Marco?
0: If if they do it, they're villains. If they don't do it. They let a million people die. It's the two boats that the Joker did in, Be- in the Dark Knight. It's the trolley uh, conundrum.
3: Yeah. yeah. Frustrated by this. I don't I don't like this. <laughs> don't like this book.
0: Go ahead, Kale. It seemed like you.
3: Uh well,
2: I was trying I was trying to find like the the textual thing where she says, Oh yeah, no, I did this 30 minutes ago. But like like we're right. But like, there's not a textual thing here to say, you know. To 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 prove that she doesn't say, um, you know, uh, the only thing she says is, uh, the titans, the titans just hacked the military. You think people will accept that? If I'd known how recklessly stupid you'd act in response, I would have killed Garfield Logan years ago. Right.
3: Um, that yeah, I read that as she did not assume that that would have happened. And now she's reacting
2: hmm. no yeah i read it as a play in the whole time interesting okay fair enough
0: either way uh i really want to change my pick of the week to this somehow
3: <laughs> no this you book
0: can. you can yeah dude
3: dude are you kidding me it's there's our two show. al ewing books that we're gonna be reading and that wasn't
0: whatever i'll decide later <laughs> fine are you picking or 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 are you pulling or pass?
2: Plow, pass. Pull. <laughs> it's still nonsense to me. Pass. It's it's a pull for me. Nice.
1: Did, you you probably literally did pull it though, right? Yeah, I have it. It's an event. I'm reading it. You know, of course yeah. I want to read. It. Yeah.
2: Did did you read it just now?
1: Uh, no, what but are you I did. About I did. I did scan to the cliffhanger. I wanted to see what you guys were talking about. The spoiler, uh, but uh, it's a thing. I guess.
0: Hey, hit that like button. Let's get those likes up. No game today, but uh, it uh, it shows us that you like us. We appreciate it. David Barr says, Sean, you were right. Just a, just thought a lot of comics nowadays not up to scratch, and readership in comics is declining. I would think cannot afford to let these ama- amazing artists and writers go. I assume that's in reference to the Ghost Machine conversation. Yeah, I mean, look, the truth of the matter is that Jeff uh, Johns – stands to make more money and ev- frankly everybody involved in ghost machine stands to make more money by working for themselves than they do for DC Comics. DC's not even really incentivized to pay them what they're worth because the IP that DC owns is worth more than Jeff Johns is. Like paired against each other even though Jeff Johns has told some of the most iconic stories in the history of DC, Batman is worth more than Jeff Johns. And it matters more who is right or it matters more that DC can publish Batman than who is writing it. So that's just kind of the nature of the beast. And in the long run, I think they're better served to go and do their own thing.
2: And uh a few years ago, we, we talked about how uh geez, when was it? Sean, if you remember 2018, maybe 2019, they were actively letting loose their higher paid. Creators and editorial and stuff specifically so that they could uh, cut costs and, you know, save rent on their fancy building in L.A. or whatever the fuck.
0: It's happened more than once because it happened around that time, but then it also happened after the pandemic.
2: Yeah. So,
0: yeah, DC's been cutting for a while and we know Marvel's been, please, oh my God, Marvel. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Marvel gets more artists from from, from Europe and uh, South America than yes. anybody they're all about it now, I'm not saying that they shouldn't I'm just saying what I mean by that is they pay them lower rates because they don't want to pay the higher rates that some of the bigger named artists require uh... <laughs> oh my god you guys are too funny Fee waiver says I'm missing out on Beast World because I missed issue two, and everyone is saying it's a good DC event. Catch up. It's only six issues.
2: Uh, unfortunately, they're eight bucks each, so you know it's about forty million dollars to catch up. But whoa, eight bucks?
3: No, they're four no, Four ninety nine. I don't know,
2: how much they are. I don't know
1: what the pa- I don't know what it is in pounds though.
0: Harry Atomic Hound says that doesn't mean Big Two can't and don't have some good talent. They have amazing talent.
2: Certainly. They
0: absolutely do. But when you look at the people that leave, these are the people that are pulling top dollar. You know, I think if DC was paying Grant Morrison or offering Grant Morrison what they were offering Grant Morrison in 2008, then Grant would still be working at DC Comics. I
3: wholeheartedly believe that. And uh, good morning to David Barr. Greetings from Australia.
0: Wow. Oh, that's so. Cool! Wow, that's I love that. I love Australians, and I think it's great that you're here.
3: Not the Kiwis, though, right, Kyle? Apparently not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's dive in real fast to Green Arrow number. What is this number eight? Number
1: eight. Number eight. So Green Arrow number eight. It's by uh, Josh Williamson. Oh. Pencils by. Oh, I was oh, ready. Why something. did you just like like what happened there? What? Go ahead. Oh, okay. I thought I thought I was taking this one. Uh, okay. Well, Phil Hester on, on pencils and Eric Gapster on inks of colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. W- was this off camera or on camera when I mentioned Phil Hester was drawing this kale that we were like, "Oh, we got to read that."
2: On camera. Yeah. It was on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um
1: yeah, I wanted to check in with this cuz Phil Hester was was on it and I and I caught up on the other issues as well. Oh, gee. Yeah, and Sean, I think you'd like this book. Um, I don't. uh, Because it's addressing my issue with Beast World. And it's addressing, so so Oliver, he got killed in Dark Crisis. And he comes back. The previous arc was all this multiversal, timey-wimey stuff. I didn't care much for that story. But now it's about, it's much more grounded. And Oliver's whole thing now is, why doesn't the Justice League exist? What's going on? Why did they just decide there weren't going to be the Justice League anymore? Um, it feels weird. And he talks to Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. He's like, "Something is wrong here. They wouldn't just do this." And now he's oh, investigating it... Amanda Waller.
2: So it's a meta narrative.
1: Wow. Of a, of a decision, Joshua Williamson himself did in Dark Crisis. Well, um, it's a. Uh, I liked uh, Phil Hester art was good, and this issue was a much more grounded almost a one and done uh uh um what's it's not Roy it's it's Connor Hawk his son yeah. and Ollie fighting Brick and Onomatopoeia.
2: yeah so the phil hester of it all is great yeah. uh phil hester i was uh introduced to green arrow and and some of my um early comics history is uh the kevin smith phil hester run on green arrow in the uh 2000s um so i have a to me, Green Arrow looks right with Phil Hester and and the art in this like backs that up a hundred percent. Um some of the spreads in in this book and the um the action, I think is just man, it's cool. Uh I found the story lacking though. I thought it was kind of thin. Uh, I kind of felt like the, the twist wasn't, uh, I don't know, it
1: It just wasn't great. This is the thinnest of the stories. Um, yeah. You can essentially read this issue having not read any issue before of this run. Um, and it's just an Oliver Queen Connor Hawk story with some of his rogues.
0: I was so frustrated by that um, reveal, dude. Like, I re- the art was bonkers. I was pretty locked in, yeah. And I obviously we know, okay, yes, Green Arrow's not dead, right? right. But I just didn't expect this twist. Like, I felt like, like, come on, man. Like, yeah. that's that's you don't tell story. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say things like that. But I was very frustrated. I felt played, and not in a good way.
1: It's the most straightforward twist you can do. Faked its death. Like that's – if this was Survey Says, it'd be number one, you know?
2: Well, and even still, it's like a – I mean a thin, thin premise of a Switch. Well, yeah, we thought that uh, we would investigate Amanda Waller and we put on the onomatopoeia identity and we thought we'd investigate you. What? You did what? Why did you think that? What?
1: Sean, you just jumped into this one, right? You didn't read the seven? I, I read haven't the read the
2: I haven't, yeah, yeah, that's all I've read, too. I haven't read the rest of it um, either. I would say
1: seven might be more down your alley because that's more like grander DC Universe stuff where this felt like, all right, let's just do a Green Hour story from a time gone by, uh, which I don't like Kevin Smith. I know Matt called me out in the chat. I'm not a Kevin Smith fan in any regard, of his creative output. Um, But kind of telling that this, this time piece of green arrow in a
2: more modern setting is interesting. I think it was, or maybe I'm, maybe I don't like Williamson's voice uh, for this um, because it's just, it felt, like I said, it felt thin to me. Pass. Here for the art. I gotta say pass.
1: I think it might be my favorite cover of the year so far, but uh it's a pull for me. I'm having fun with this, this run. And it's yeah, and it's cover. early enough in the alphabet that I'm actually keeping up with it. It's it's not getting relegated <laughs> to my, my my pile of alphabetized books.
0: I'm gonna talk real quick about the holy roller. By Andy Samberg, Rick Remender, jo- Joe Troman, Roland Bashi, and Moreno Denisio. So, we didn't review the second issue. This is three issues deep, and uh, we got a request from one of the listeners. Shout out to Joel, uh, Justice Joel, uh, for a, a, a double dipper, might I add, for my thoughts on this issue. And uh, to be honest with you... Um, I am not loving this. You guys know how much I love Rick Remender. I think he's one of the GOATs. But I'm struggling with the Holy Roller. This issue is not bad by any means. You know, the main character had his house attacked. Levi had his house attacked by these Nazis. And he defends himself and his family with his trusty bowling ball. And uh, he gets, you know, beaten up by the police and taken to prison. And he gets into a fight with some white nationalist Nazis while in jail as well. He gets bailed out. You know, there's a lot of um a lot of things that happen in this issue. It feels it still feels very paint by numbers to me. Um and also there's a lot of contrivances. Like for example, the douchebag who is the enemy of the Holy Roller gets his face busted in and becomes a vegetable, right? But then that same individual's sister goes and bails levi out of jail why would she do that and she's just like oh my brother's a prick it feels so nonchalant that it took me out of the story and i think a lot of this book is that um i want to invest but i'm struggling to do that and it's not something that i've ever felt before to this degree with a rick remender book other than uh the scumbag I think sometimes Rick's sense of humor can go a little too far off the deep end for me, and I'm just I'm just not loving this book for that reason. I think.
1: Can I ask a question? Yeah, please do. The way the ball is being used is it just as a bludgeoning weapon, or is he doing cool bowling stuff? No, nah, he's just beating the shit out of dudes <laughs> with the bowling. <laughs> I bowl. hate that, and yeah. I like it at the same time.
2: It's not even like it doesn't even fly fly around like in Mystery Men. And yeah, like, bowler. Yeah.
3: Nah, he doesn't call out like a super movie. Like there's two guys coming. He's like, here goes the 710 split. <laughs> that'd be that'd be rad. I would rip up a book if, they, if I read that. I'm sorry. <laughs> and 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 like
0: the Rick Remender emotional beats that he's known for are still here. His dad, you know, gives this really passionate speech about how much he loves his house and his memories with his wife. And they raise their child there and it gets burned down. And that was a great moment but then the book ends like this where you see levi giving this like speech about how people need to be defended and up over top of him in the clouds you see the him in the holy roller outfit and it's like dude you don't even own that how would why are we seeing that it's it's like real like hokey and cheesy and i just don't like it
3: do you do you feel you can make a distinction between remender and sandberg
0: I wouldn't say that. I just know that this doesn't feel like Rick, sure, all the mm-hmm. way.
1: It has the stink of me as, uh, like a almost a spec script for a movie. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I like I can, I would almost like Marco asked if, uh, Sean could determine between Andy Sandberg and Rick Remender i th- I think the only reason Sandberg's name is on this is because he would play him in the in the movie yep, yep. absolutely it's an executive producer credit <laughs> yeah storyboard you know, I, yeah
0: the last time I said that on this show when we reviewed the first issue, someone got mad but it's like dude if you look at the if you just look at it i mean we've it's not it's not <laughs> like, like, like it's him. a new idea in comics that people yeah. would use this as a platform to make a movie or a television show let's get real.
3: <laughs> What was the A Righteous thirst, thirst for Vengeance? Yeah. Who was the, who's uh, the actor? Benedict Wong. Is that yes. right? He's yes. Literally, right. literally yeah. in it. The like, dude. Yeah. But but, but, but that it's felt different in that yeah. that felt like an exploration on Remender's part. And ultimately, because I remember you coming back to it after, after a while, Sean, mm-hmm. and being like, no, this, mm-hmm. this laddered up to something. And he was experimenting with things in the medium.
0: It ended up being great but I don't think you can deny that that was the same guy. Like, and, and you know, of course he worked with him on deadly class and things like that. But like, you know, I just wonder if Rick's not trying to get his bag for, you know, with a major motion picture or television show release, but uh, I'm passing. I really don't want to continue reading this series anymore, but I probably still will. Cause it's Rick Remender. Let's jump into the uh, resurrection of Magneto.
2: Oh, can I hey. can I read a comment real quick about Holy Roller Cole in the chat says that Rick said on a podcast that Joe Troman, uh, inspiration came for the Joe Troman's inspiration came for this when he dealt with anti anti-Semitism growing up and went bowling to get anger out. It's more Joe's story with Rick guiding, I believe.
0: Good to know. And if there's ever a movie or a TV show, I'm pretty sure it'll be Andy Sandberg playing the character. Yeah, right. But fair point. Good to know. Still waiting for that Tom Hardy comic review? Hey, whenever it drops, we'll definitely talk about it. Uh, Alright, let's talk about Resurrection of Magneto number one. This is the first of the Dub Al feature, as people have been calling it this week. Uh, Written by Al Ewing, with art by Luciano Vecchio, Uh, David Curiel on colors, Joe Sabino on the letters. This is a very, very trippy and strange book. We didn't know exactly how we would get Magneto back, what the mechanism of his resurrection would be. And this book doesn't quite tell us, but it goes a long way to show us a lot of other things and set stuff up. Uh, I actually had a really, really good time with this. Storm's journey is interesting,
2: but I'm not fully sold. Kale, what would you think of this? This pick of the week.
3: Oh, me too, baby.
2: I really love this. Um, because uh, even like, I'd I'd seen some light chatter in the in our Marvel spoiler thread. I said, no, 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 I'm gonna stay out of this. But somebody posted a link to a, a tweet that like um talked about the Kabbalah influences on this and that's all i saw and i went okay okay so i clearly need to be looking for something and literally the opening page is an homage to a tarot card and i said all right al's working on a higher level here let's fucking go there's five helmets there yeah baby holy shit i genuinely you won't if you read this tweet uh, and this the thread that it's on, you won't understand a, a lick of it, not because you're dumb, but because it's very like thick. I didn't understand a word of it, but it was great.
1: Wait, tarot is Kabbalah?
2: I think it's, uh, if I remember right, it's uh, based in Kabbalah, like it uses some of the same like methodologies and um, sources for divination and stuff like that. It's like, it's nuts, man. This book is full of it.
0: Kale. Okay, so so this page I'm about to show you. You tell me if they're significant. So this is the double page spread. Yes. Where Storm is first seeing. Yes. Okay. So there's so there's seven balls up here, right? Each of a different color. Then there's you know these three objects here, right? Uh Uh And then what is? I don't know what that is. Some sort of gate, living tribunal, right?
2: Uh, I th- I think that, so. Yeah, that, that is, uh, they, yeah I is, yeah. don't think they talked about that. But um, the thing in the the corner, at the tower.
0: Yeah,
2: that's the the tower. Like that's a, a tarot and Kabbalah thing.
0: Okay. Wow. Well, cage
2: says tarot is not Kabbalah, but they're related though, right? Like. Um. Anyway, I hi- highly, highly recommend the uh tweet
3: i'm gonna pull it up yeah link that baby and and the middle was oh, yeah, lady death too. right i'm like just death uh yeah. lady death uh, yeah i think a, it was death yeah
1: indie comic with boobs
3: it's
2: yeah krakoa at krakoa superstar or araco superstar I love i'm comics. putting it in the chat right now um it this genuinely this whole explanation and this comic is full of so much. Um, this was incredible. And then some of the art. in, Especially in the Tarn fight. Like. Yo. I. That was rad. Like look. I had to like stop. And like take a second. <laughs> Tarn looks so amazing. Dude.
0: Amazing. When he unleash on look at this page yeah look at this page it's a full page when tarn unleashes his true form and just is just like towering over storm uh there are like heads monster heads popping out of his entire body and he just keeps transforming throughout the pages and getting more and more monstrous this is this was incredible damn why did i not why is this not my
1: pick of the week
2: you can't flip-flop uh, that many
1: times, Sean. Come
2: on. Yeah, I mean, I said I listen. My mind up. Yeah. Maybe you can. It, this is our podcast. We make the rules. That's I true. do just want to point out, uh, when Storm absolutely wrecks Tarn. She has the badass line. She says, "Uh, uh, who am I? I'm a witch of the weather, named for the storm." And then she fries him absolutely fries him yeah and she said you're standing on a cloud and the lightning is going up
3: oh so and good, i
2: literally man. out loud i went holy shit damn okay, i yeah. just man take of the month this is probably the best comic book i've read this year Wait, i'm 2024 like yeah i'll say 2023 whoa damn dude i'm excited for the resurrection of magneto he can't he can't resurrect quick enough if you ask me
1: (laughs) this is all right
3: (laughs) Ooh, um
1: so for for me i mean i did like how tarn shows up in this because this is essentially the end of al ewing's x-men run that he's been doing so it is bookended by the first villain was tarn it ends with tarn as well I do like the symmetry there. Um, This just, I love Al Ewing as a writer. I'm a big fan of Al Ewing's work. This was almost like Al Ewing extract. It was a a condensed version of everything Al Ewing does. There's stuff from his Ultimates run. There's stuff from his Avengers stuff. uh, All the X-Men stuff. uh, Some Immortal Hulk references too. And it's just like, he's referencing so much. Where it was almost overwhelming for me. There's multiple editor's notes in here. Um, this becomes very Marvel Universe six one six gobbledygook for me. Um, I think the character work with Storm is great, uh, but it's it's very high concept in what it does. Um, and maybe if I read that that tweet, it might illuminate some things for me. Because um, I didn't I didn't catch the tarot card thing. Uh, you know, I didn't catch a lot of that stuff. So it, it might need another read uh but without that i just thought it was a little much it's enough to get me to keep reading but i wasn't you know not not even close to being like a pick of the year which is fine but yeah
3: yeah um i think i think something you said in terms of um what ewing does really well is that character building and i i got to feel like i got to see Storm process things and and decide how she should next react. There were moments in even her speech where it was just silent, like like you know, your your ellipses, silence because she's she's thinking, she's a thoughtful individual. And so the next words that come out of her mouth are very important. And she understands that because she understands where her position is, she understands who she is. Um, for me, the thing that, that really sold me on was when um, talking to who was it, uh, Dr. Brashier. You know i tell him what he needs they go into this the, the portal room and for me what sold it was for a moment i'm reminded of forge and in that moment i know exactly what monica rambo saw on adam and i know exactly why she left that that was unnecessary detail but it was necessary detail to understand her mind and where she's at with certain things and i'm like oh okay this guy is really digging into who she is and why uh, i i can only appreciate that from that moment on it for me, the, the the character work was excellent,
1: and that's also like a snack for Al Ewing's like diehard fans because that's Ultimates run. That's when Adam Brashear and Marvel were doing that, and and Tarna, who I think is Galactus' mother, is there from his Defender stuff. Like this was like it almost feels like Al Ewing's grand finale at Marvel in a weird way, which I sincerely hope it's not, especially since we have this Thor stuff coming up. But um, it was a culmination of a lot of Ewingisms.
3: But but I didn't feel it to be something that diminished or like took away from the book. I only I, I imagine if you're familiar with those things, you know, it, it enhances. But there are moments where I'll feel like I'll have read a thing. And I'm like, okay, they clearly made a reference to something and it didn't play into the story is mostly a reference. And it goes yeah. over my head and I feel that. But this, it played into the, the narrative as much as it played into who she is that I said, oh, I, I don't know what that means but I know it's important because it has value in just the very next sentence.
0: I was struck by this page here that shows different interactions that Storm has had with Magneto over the years. And as somebody who is a very, very long time fan of the X-Men, none of these scenes were familiar to me. So, that was like exciting. Well, except for the, the most recent one, obviously, the one that's from now. Um, but it's it's very exciting to me because it's like, man, when you when you tell stories in comics, you get to pull in, in big two comics, you get to pull from you know, decades worth of storytelling. And if you care about that as a reader, the weight of that makes everything matter so much more. I deeply care about Storm and Magneto. So seeing those moments as a refresher, as a reminder, hey, they've known each other a long time. It adds to why Storm would put herself through this mm. to find this man that she's not in love with. It's not about that. It's about something much, much bigger than that. And this is a brilliant book.
3: Is he a friend? He's many things.
2: I don't I don't think it matters. Genuinely. No, it. I think it's I think it's uh I genuinely think it's a a royalty respecting royalty, and like respecting like the office. You know what I mean? Like, you know, true like colleague respect.
0: I I also feel like she 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 has a deep respect for the pain that Magneto has endured in his life. Yeah, and that was something that really came through for me here, where she sort of like, you know, this is a man who's been failed at every turn even he he has a, a an incredible line and i don't i don't i'm assuming it's from x-men red and if it it makes sense because it's such a good line that i believe al ewing would have come up with it uh but it's it's in the final it's in the final panel on this this page here where we see the history of their relationship and he says for me our very heaven is hell that's saying that even when they got what he always wanted which is a unified state for mutants. It still became hell. There is no peace on this earth, not even on Mars for Magneto.
2: And even in death, he can't get peace. I'll do you one better. That opening page, the tarot page with the the five helmets. So in this analysis, this uh, Arako superstar says that the... um, uh, that tarot card is the Five of Cups. The card represents grief, loss, and regret. The three fallen cups, or the three helmets on his uh, left side there, uh, distract the mourner from the two uprun, up upright ones on their right, signaling loss which detracts from any positives that may remain. And the river which separates them from the house in the distance shows how far this grief... He uh, Excuse me. Uh... The river separates them from the house in the distance, showing how this grief keeps them from moving to their destination.
1: Wow. I'm gonna give this book to all the crystal mommies out there.
3: Yeah. Crystal mommies love this shit. Right. Yeah, this is my pick of the week. Hell yeah. I had no idea. I I'd read through I'm like, damn, I fucked this book really hard. Yeah, oh, so. Al's
2: Al, Al's on that Alan Moore and Grant Morrison shit. Yeah, right. I like this was the this was that like I I feel like people have compared them.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, but this was I think this was the first time where I went, oh yeah, he's got it now. Dude, did you read any amount
0: of "We Only Find Them When They're Dead"? No, I need to. Yo, I did show that book is yeah amazing. It's such a shame that. It just didn't. It just didn't connect. And I understand why it didn't, but it's a shame that it didn't connect because it really is brilliant. It's so amazing. Simone mayo on art too on that.
3: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That was the biggest attractor for the art, but the concept I can imagine is amazing. Yeah, it was so cool. Uh, so was this. I'm.
0: I'm definitely a flip flopper of the highest order, and I am now saying this is my pick of the week. I. I really appreciate, Kale, the fact that you came into this episode loaded with that information because it certainly uh, changed my perspective and forced me to reflect and realize that I actually had a really good time reading this. I kind of got slowed down when Storm was speaking with her ancestor. That was yeah. where I got tripped. Yeah.
1: yeah, same.
2: I could see that. But I, I just felt for me, I just felt like every little thing added to something, mm. you know, so it just all of it just worked. In harmony for me, there. Uh, yeah. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Pick of
0: the
1: week. Pass. No. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a poll, but it's not a pick of the week for me. Okay. okay. All right.
0: Let's talk about God's Number Four, written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Valerio Schiti, colors by Marta Gracia, Travis Lanham on the letters. This is following up pretty directly from issue number three, uh, where we saw that uh, Oblivion was about to end everything. And this issue shows us basically two scenes um, or two sequences. One is in the present where Oblivion is supposed to be ending everything and Doctor Strange and Wynn's reaction to that trying to stop that from happening. And the origin of a random person, someone who feels like a random person, uh, named uh, what was his name Robert something.
1: I don't even think his uh, name matters, honestly. It's, it's it, but it's like a Roy or a Rob or something, right? Um,
0: I have not really enjoyed Gods too too much, and this issue was no exception. Um, I don't. I don't get it, honestly. Like, I'm not really all the way sure what happened in this issue. It's really great to look at. How could it not be when you have Valerio Schiti and Marta Gracia? But I don't get what Hickman is doing. I just don't. And I don't really care. Big ideas, no
3: no care. I missed issue three, um, and so I figured going into this, I wasn't going to I wasn't gonna understand regardless. Um, And I can see the structure of the story, but that's all I can see. And I think that's a little frustrating because I would want it to connect to a concept to make me feel as if I was missing out on more, and it doesn't feel like I am. Like this was very self-contained in that it was about Robert and him being trapped in this box and coming up, you know, being the sciencey guy and him being, uh, not having friends, all that kind of stuff, fine. But then he's he turns bad and defeated. And but why? What is what does that matter to a larger narrative? If all they needed was this little cube thing, and what does that connect to? So th- there was there were moments throughout this book where I just felt myself getting pulled away because uh, it didn't it didn't feel like it was laddering to something. I don't I don't expect us to see Robert ever again. So why did we spend more than half of this book talking about him? i think well i i
2: can't answer (laughs) i can't answer the the second part in like a totality but i think the the structure of the issue was to sort of show how they defeat him and i think to do that hickman needed to tell us who he was because that part of the issue up to the point where he's knocked out is from his perspective. So we're living his life and then these blue pages with Wynn and Doctor Strange are the present. So he's you know he's holding the the cube or whatever you know the thing is uh and we're seeing who he is and I guess is he supposed to be the Cubisk Core?
1: He is uh, raised essentially the same way Cubisk Core was controlled by the by the Beyonder.
2: Okay, yeah. So so I, I I guess my assumption is that we're maybe getting a glimpse at the way the Cubisk works. It can control some form of time that slows down. When in Doctor Strange. I feel like I'm extrapolating a lot, though. I, like, I see I, that, though. That won't pay off for a while.
1: So mm. for me, this this was my pick of the week. I I really enjoyed this. Um, what I'm getting from this, and I don't, I don't think it fully comes together until the reveal at the end, that there are an unamount uh, unimaginable amount of these Skinner boxes that mm. the in betweener could be making all of these essentially nobodies. Mm- Ma- like a, like omega level magic people, at some point. Mm. So for me, it's more about the democratization, like, uh, like giving the idea that magic in the MC and, and the Marvel universe is such a high level thing, and only specific people have access to Doctor Strange. And it's kind of like, all right, it's the Sorcerer Supreme is there, and you know this guy in the other dimension can control things. It's always kind of been like that. Mm. Where now we're getting to see uh, both on an evil side with with the in betweener kind of giving the power of magic to all these random people. And the uh, uh, like, uh, the the magic girl, and uh, uh, what's the the guy in the white suit's name? I'm still learning names of these characters.
2: Kaiko? Dimitri, Dimitri, oh. yeah,
1: yeah. And how are the these younger generations kind of giving power to something that you know they keep talking about with uh, the, the the Mia, how she found her way to this this thing that she shouldn't have yeah. been able to. Um, yeah. And I just think it's more about like kind of blowing up magic in the Marvel universe. To be more accessible to a whole bunch of people, good or bad, and how the cosmic beings are the ones kind of controlling that.
2: It's yeah. So it's taking sort of the order and chaos of the Marvel and universe, yeah. you know, which is the natural order of, order of things and the powers that be, I guess. Um, and it's adding a third thing, which is sort of. Uh. 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 Uh agency of like a higher power and sort of randomness
1: yeah and it's the in-betweener doing it so yeah it even makes sense as this chaotic third party yeah yeah i like that i like that
2: it's not pick of the week level
1: but i like that i i think kickman is cooking something here and marco i, I i'm all for people jumping in with whatever issue they got to read, but it's hard to skip an issue with Hickman, dude.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I felt it. I yeah. felt it.
2: I did too.
1: Yeah, I didn't read Especially through. since I think the I previous three. issue, I think, was my favorite gods issue. Um, and they, they really blow up the whole world and uh, what it's trying to do with introducing those cosmic beings more. So if you can get to it, I recommend it.
0: I really, really want to care about this, but I just don't. I, like... I'm not even sure. Like I said this last time, but the new characters, I, I, I can't connect with them. Yeah,
3: they're cool, like visually and aesthetically, uh, but, um, I, right, What's grounding me to them to care? That's the biggest issue. That's why what, Doctor Strange the, is here. <laughs> what's the what's I think
2: the? Emo- that's it. But, I but the emotion. I literally just. I don't think there is one. I think it's Doctor Strange. Doctor
1: Strange is a bit of a crutch right now, trying to kind of keep everyone up until like yeah. I'm in, I'm really enjoying this book, but I still don't know everyone's names by heart yet. I do have to kind of refer back to the the recap page.
3: Yeah, Rami agreed. I think sometimes in trade it is his big his bigger stuff, I think, pulls out a bit.
0: At some point, we learned that this was initially supposed to be a Marvel TV show. And this definitely feels like that in the sense that this would be a lot easier to take it. Like so far, if you think about like what we've read, it's been about two episodes of a show. Mm -hmm. And I think it would feel a lot better if I was watching this because then you'd have actors to help you connect with the characters and stuff. Um, I'm not I'm just not connecting to anything here. And
1: I don't feel like waiting for it. I I don't know. I'm passing. Are you out? Or is this a shark tank I'm out situation?
0: Uh I think it would be under normal circumstances, yeah. Like mm. outside of this show, yeah. Sure. Okay. Mm.
2: So this was a pull for me. Um, and I'm gonna return on a trade weight one way or the other.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a pull. Um, I, I, I'm gonna go back to read issue three to see what happens. Um, but I'm, I need more grounding. I need something to really hold me on to the characters and to what's going on here.
0: Let's talk Immortal Thor number six. This is written by Al Ewing, of course. Part two of the, uh, the Al feature, uh, with art by Martin Cocolo. Matthew Wilson, um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know where the rest of the... There we go. And Joe Sabino on letters. Normally, I want to tell you guys what happened in the issue that we read, kind of sum it up, and uh, I'm really not sure how to do that. Loki and Thor sit around, and Loki apparently spins a yarn tells Thor a tale from their past but I guess not all is as Thor remembers it and that's weird for some reason and there's a big giant guy that Thor tries to kill for some reason and uh yeah
2: and we're also still dealing with the Roxen guy
0: yeah Dario Agger owns Thor comics well mm-hmm. he makes Thor comics
1: This, huh? (laughs) I think for all of us, this issue was big,
3: huh? This was almost pick of the week if it hadn't been for the other one. I same, actually,
2: yeah. I uh, I also really enjoyed what Al was cooking here too. Uh, I I, this for me was nowhere near as good as Magneto, um, but I felt like. I felt like Al was working on you know a couple of different layers of meta narrative here um and i i I just felt like it played for me. I can definitely see how it wouldn't, and I had to sit and think about it for a minute
0: um but you know, can you please explain why it played so well for you
2: so Loki says that you know they're he's gonna tell a tale and your memory of it see speaking of Thor he says that they Loki says that Thor's memory of it might not be the same uh the same uh as the events actually played out. and sometimes even telling the story, Changes it, so Loki tells the story, and we get these little bits of interaction within the story of Thor speaking to Loki as himself in the future outside the story, but inside the story.
1: It it almost felt like a like a, a Hanna Barbera cartoon or one of those like Tex Avery cartoons where they're talking to like breaking the fourth wall a bit during the telling of the story. To then edit yeah. the story a bit, like the the Daffy Duck one, where he's like erasing himself
3: in a way, in a way, yeah. But but in the beginning, sorry, go keep going.
2: Well, so so as those things happen, and and you know we get to the bit where uh, Thor is thinking about killing the giant, and he's like, man, I really don't want to do that, but he does it anyway, and it doesn't matter. We get to the the end, and Dario, what's his name, the cow headed guy, Dario Agar, the Minotaur. Yeah, okay, says you know uh, what does he say? Hmm. He says the story's changing as I read it. So Dario Agar and the Enchantress and uh, who was that? The Executioner, Executioner. Yep. are reading the same story that loki and thor are telling us while they're also reliving it and changing it in the narrative right it just it's it's playing on several different levels that i think are just really interesting and it it's playing with memory and it's replaying you know it's playing with the way stories told
1: and he's also playing on the Nordic level, too, with, you know, Loki channeling Skald to tell the story because the idea of Utgard is like a lost Norse story that even Thor doesn't remember. So he's trying to remember that as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of technical just usage of the medium here that for me really was effective. And I think from the, the, the first page and the last page being Dario is that because he has the publishing rights. Um, and he's printing the comics i think he therefore has an understanding of how his life will progress in the next few issues and so therefore can probably plan a strike or can do something to affect him but in the remembrance loki is changing the magic or they're together changing the magic and therefore changing the story so his assurance about being able to attack thor and do something to him is dwindling he doesn't he doesn't have the same kind of confidence to potentially uh, uh whatever whatever the end goal is he's losing some of that confidence because he's like, okay the magic's changing what i thought should be happening in the story because i've read this book uh but two can play at that game i'm going to try to use magic to change the back to the narrative that i know and understand so i can get to my end goal whatever it is which hasn't been revealed yet
2: hmm. wow uh you guys got a lot more out of this than i did I guess. <laughs> just man the books this week were just working on a
3: whole other level. Hot week, man. Hot week.
1: Dub Al features might cause migraines.
2: You guys, I have a master's in this stuff, and this was tough. <laughs>
3: <laughs> pull it out. Pull um, it out. Pull it out. Where's the Where's the title? Pull it out.
0: I'm I'm growing weary of this series.
2: I get
1: that.
0: I, yeah, I see it. it. Yeah, I want uh I want it to get a little more direct.
1: Sean, are we gonna be talking uh the, the news about this series coming up this week on the Saturday show?
2: hmm We sure will. Okay.
1: I uh, I won't talk about it here.
2: I uh I I wish I was seeing more with the the Oot Guard pantheon. Yeah. Like I, uh, I didn't read five, so I went back after this and read five. And I was like, "Oh right, that's what was going on," and came to this, and I went, uh, "Boy, I sure, sure thought it was cool." The big, the the big guy, he was cool. I like his wheel. And then I came <laughs> to this, and it was like, uh, yeah, "I, I like what he's doing here." Would, like my brain is really working, but. Man, that wheel is cool.
0: <laughs> well, my question is: Does Loki already know what Dario Agar is doing?
3: I think, I think, I think he knows, and he's not being forthcoming to Thor, and so he's kind of playing Thor to a little bit because Loki has some skin in the game. I don't know to what degree, but I think that that's what he's doing, and which is why he's using the magic to change the memory, to change the story, to affect Dario.
1: I was getting that Loki's magic was getting outchanged by Enchantress. They're
3: I think
2: change, that. Yeah. I think that's what will happen.
1: Yeah. Okay. I always get the sense that Loki is never against Thor, but will do antagonistic things to Thor in order to strengthen Thor. At least, yeah. Post MCU Loki, you know. The, well, now. and that's yeah.
2: that's even that's even textual. Like that's that. Yeah, what is exactly. it? The second issue of. Or the third or whatever. So
0: um Loki is the god of stories, so he knows the story Dario is rewriting. Okay. That's interesting. I'm just not sure what the point of that is. Like, I I don't know, I don't understand, I don't know that it's been revealed what Dario is doing. And it's just kind of odd how this whole thing is playing out because we haven't seen any interaction between Thor, Loki, and, you know, this other side, the on side of things. Yeah. So, and they haven't been explicit about what it is that they're trying to do. So because of that, for me, this issue reads as hollow because I have no idea what the motivations are in, from any single person mm.
2: in this kind. Mm. But we're also, we also have this other side of the, you know, the Utgard stuff that, like, you know, is just sort of, it kind of dips in and out. But it's also like way more interesting.
3: It feels like that's the next, like Utgard to introduce is the first one, action pack, cool stuff. This Dario piece to gets teased out to play in. It feels like he's planning long-term and then we're going to come back to in the next arc or two, come back to the Utgard stuff, which I think for, for him mechanically works, but I think for the Dario piece, to your point, Sean, knowing that end goal probably adds a bit more stakes here, because then you know what he's fighting against, quote unquote,
0: or at least any goal. Sure, no one has goals.
1: It's funny because Dario was kind of that role in Immortal Hulk too. He was like the middle boss almost, uh, it, it, his his role in that was trying to become a god, trying to control things with Zemnu, right, something like that. So. Yeah.
3: Um the art, incredible, absolutely phenomenal. I loved everything in this, the this sort of watercolor esque uh texture that's been going on, the usage of uh transitions when he jumps into the story, save the magic words once upon a time. Time is against his brother. I was like, Oh shit, that was cool, clean, clean transition. Yeah, that was, was cool. Yeah,
1: I I that jumped out to me too. I wanted to see what that looks like on a script curious to see how that's written
3: mm.
1: yeah
2: i like the the temperature difference between the the story and in the colors oh. uh between the story and the uh the present as well um oh, the price so or good. the present has you know, i think they're sitting in front of a fire or something so it's got you know warm orange tones and the story is colder blue
3: those different lokis what's up with that
1: I think that was just Loki being Loki, showing that they are many things at many times.
3: Was is that, is that a kid Loki? That third you panel. Don't, you don't know Kid Loki, bro? I thought oh. I thought kid Loki has a crown or something. No.
1: Oh, that that okay. All right. Well, we need to get to Young Avengers one day in the book club for, for Marco. No, saying.
2: yeah, I think I th- I I think it's just a, a signifier of the time passing because he was you know teen Loki here or, or Tom Hiddleston. You know, in that second one, and then before that, he was Kid Loki, and that sort of cured Gillen's whole thing. And then before that, he was, uh, who plays him in Loki, the old guy? What's that guy's I name? Richard E. Grant, one of my favorite actors. Yes, yeah. Richard E. Grant. Um, poll I say what you're feeling, man. It's just,
0: I just don't, I don't, I don't feel like there's, I don't feel like, I don't know what was there. I really don't.
4: Mm.
0: It felt like nothing. And that could be me being dumb. That's completely possible, but it felt like something that should feel like something, but doesn't feel like anything. Mm. And I don't like stories where I cannot tell what the motivations are. I think understanding the motivation behind really just human behavior in general Allows you to anchor yourself. When you don't know why someone's doing something, it's harder to understand them. And that's the problem that I'm having with this. I don't know why anyone is doing anything. I feel like Thor. Maybe that's the point. Mm -hmm. Pull for now.
2: Yeah, pull. Pull Pull for me.
0: Yeah, It's a pull for me too. All right. Let's get into X-Force number 48. This is written by Benjamin Percy, who's been working in this corner of things religiously since the beginning of the uh, of the Krikoan era as it were with art by Robert Gill uh, Guru EFX on colors and Joe Kara Magna on the letters Beast is the antagonist of X-force if that is a surprise to you well you have a lot of comics to catch up on
2: you better go ahead and turn this off
0: <laughs> huh and X-force is trying to stop beast who has gone rogue at this point. Um, And the, one of the big plans that Sage has is to use a copy or a body that they have of beast from a a prior era um, in order to stop this beast that has gone bad essentially has become dark beast. And I want to say, I'm going to say this, I have two two big thoughts. A is I love this comic. I thought this was really cool. I enjoyed it a lot. I love the spotlight being on Beast. I think Beast is great. One of my favorite X-Men. Totally underplayed. But, is this not Marvel's way of bringing Beast back into the fold Absolutely. before the end, Absolutely. but not the Beast that's gone back?
2: Yeah. 1,000%. Yeah. Like, I, You know what? At least it's Sort of clever, like. I mean, it's a very beast thing.
1: I think when Sage was uh was naming off of all the crimes of Beast throughout history of of Marvel comics, yeah. uh, it's like you know what? Yeah, he kind of does suck, you know. <laughs> like Beast, <laughs> great Avenger, horrible X Men.
3: <laughs> when she started listening that out, I'm like, damn! Does he just turn into the bad guy and everything? What like? he's the cause for so much grief and here he is again, just fucking shit up. I I always view beast as
1: like always a step away from becoming dark beast from age of apocalypse. And I think that's the story that beast has always had. Dark beast is not that far from our beast.
0: One of the things that I love so much about beast is that he really, really, really is dedicated to saving mutant kind and desperate to figure out a way to do it he's their scientist like if you just go back to the earliest days he's the one so if he can't solve it right then mutant kind is doomed and that feeling is what always motivates him to go a step across the line
2: so he doesn't who will
0: right exactly and I'm sure Tyler and Kale are intimately familiar with this. But uh, in the era of the 198 from the mid-2000s, yeah. post-House of M, Beast was saddled with being the person to try to figure out how to solve the problem of there being no more mutant births. And he goes to the ends of the earth to do it. I love that. That's who Beast is. So I don't really understand. Why the why the solving of beast would be to bring another beast? This motherfucker always goes this way. <laughs> why would you bring another beast?
3: And, and that felt was like
0: totally right.
3: That felt like the logical conclusion. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. If this is a beast that is smart, that is as smart as this, why would you think bringing it back at any other point would not ultimately lead to the same? Like, yes, there's no free will, and this is the proof of that. Well, I.
2: Yeah, I think, I think the, I guess the idea is, you know, if you bring him back at a stage where, you know, his morality isn't quite so compromised, you know, I, I maybe our plan was help us take out Dark Beast and then we'll take you out for that reason, you know, but, you know, uh, Beast is smarter than that.
3: But then this one just kills the other one and they are in the same position.
2: Well, no, because his moral again, his morality isn't as compromised as as our beast. So he kills this one for the greater good. But that, again, leads him to a dark path, onto the dark path. This just being the first step.
1: And the problem with Beast, too, is that he's always around. Like, I don't remember any period of time where Beast was, like, off the board for a bit. So, he's the one who has to see all of the horrible stuff that happens in Mutant Kind. So, like, yeah, I think doing the Oh My Stars and Garters best friends at Wonder Man Beast coming back is a good start. But yeah, like, just by the X mens trajectory, this will happen in another 20 real life years,
0: you know? By the end of the issue. Not even that long. Yeah, not even. By the end of the issue, he's already outsmarted them and gone rogue. Like, they, the beast is uncageable. You yeah. just can't, you just cannot cage the beast. And I love that about him. I love that he's smarter than everybody. It's 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 he's one of the best X-Men. And I I appreciate
1: the fact that he's he's the centerpiece of this X-Force thing. I
0: mm-hmm. always
1: question though why uh he doesn't fix his eyesight. <laughs> that always bugged me.
0: It it probably roots him in his humanity. That's my interpretation. Oh. I heard
1: Fraser's voice when he said that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I tried to hear this whole book in Frazier's voice, yeah.
1: You know, I hear it, I hear Beast in the voice of the 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 TV
2: show, a, the, animated the animated series. series.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm. Beast is one of the few characters where I do hear a voice. Like I don't hear voices when I read, but like certain characters I do.
2: Oh, it's Beast and Batman for me. It's Kevin Conroy. obviously. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. Dude,
2: oh man, dude, yeah.
0: All the X-Men is the is the the animated series voices. Batman is Batman. Um, spot even Spider-Man, dude.
3: Sixties cartoon?
2: No, know oh, if I hear a sixties oh. cartoon. And no?
0: for Iron Man, it's not Robert Downey Jr. Actually, it's the animated movie. No, it's yeah, it's the uh, the Avengers, the Ultimates animated movie.
4: Huh,
2: that's I, uh, isn't that the guy from Heroes? I don't know. Ooh, I gotta look that up. That's gonna drive me nuts.
0: But I always liked how that version of Iron Man had like – it didn't sound robotic. It sounded – it's like deep. Like it's being funneled from a deep machine. Um, I always appreciated that. That first Ultimate's cartoon movie was pretty good. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really awesome. Uh, We talked a lot about Beast. He's not the only person in this book. Everybody else is fine. Uh, This is really a Beast-centric comic book. Seeing Wolverine being ready and willing to kill Beast – and not wanting them to use this older version of Beast is pivotal as an X Men fan because we know their relationship. So it underscores how dangerous Beast is that Wolverine does not want him around. Um, is I I really had a blast with this. It's a great book. I would say pull it. I'm desperate to go back and read all the issues of X Force that I missed.
2: I. I'm only interested in the ones involving Beast.
0: <laughs> all of them, pretty much. X-Force oh, okay. had... The main stories have been the Beast thing, and then also Colossus being uh, under mind control from his brother and all that good stuff. Yeah. So...
1: Although, he takes out Omega Red way too easily in this. Beast there.
3: Gives him he, the thing. He, he, he might just be
1: out. an Omega Red fanboy, too, so...
3: Uh, this is a pull to good, to well-constructed comic. Um, for my personal reading, I wouldn't pull it.
1: It is wild to think that I think this is the only book that's had the same team since, I guess, the Kirk Cohen era. Like, even in, is it, oh, this isn't Casaro on art. never mind. Okay. Casaro, I think, was just on. No. Okay.
0: Well, it's certainly the only one that didn't have any form of relaunch sure like that from from Mm. the beginning from the
2: start yeah 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 uh yeah this is a pull for me i'm here for this for this arc um so ultimate avengers is that is that uh film that you were talking about uh iron man is voiced by a guy called mark warden or warden guess who this guy is tyler no idea he plays Alexander in Deep Space Nine. What? Yeah, that's what I said. Warp's
1: kid, that yep. little shit. Interesting.
2: Well, that big shit.
1: Oh, the future one.
2: Yeah, yeah. The oh, got one. it, got it, got it.
1: Okay, got it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Not that I know who that is, but I don't think you like him. I so this this was a pull for me, and I like it because. I'm. I don't have to fully go through my X Force pile because, like, I know what's going on now, and I can finish it out to fifty. Like, I know next issue has Wonder Man in it. I'm good to finish this one out.
2: Are we only getting two issues of this? I guess we'd have to, right? Like, yeah, it ends at fifty. Yep. Oh. I uh. Go ahead, Joe. I saw a uh 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 like a an X Men family chart. And it mapped out every single relationship in all of the uh, the X-Men. And it, you know, it had Dark Beast and then it had Beast and and then at the bottom. And I read it just after I saw that just after reading this. It said, confused, read more comics. And I went, okay. I just read a comic about probably the least complicated character. And that comic was about an alternate an alternate universe beast. Uh, that's where it starts. It starts with an alternate universe beast who somehow corrupts the current beast and becomes the alternate universe beast, but is going to be defeated by a clone of himself. What? The well, comics don't help.
1: The the first beast in this book is main beast.
2: Yeah. 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 But he's corrupted into Dark Beast, who was from an alternate universe.
1: Is he corrupted?
0: Because Dark Beast
2: came from... Uh, Age of Apocalypse or whatever. I didn't know he was corrupted.
1: I thought he was just made bad decisions.
0: No, yeah. He definitely isn't under any influence other than just, you know, wanting Krakow to thrive and that leading him down a dark road.
2: My point is, read comics. It's still fucking confusing.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of reading comics, we read a lot of them for the show this week. Let's see. Four, five, six, seven, eight books. Which has to be the most we've ever done for Powell's pulls. So thank you guys for hanging in on that. The question at hand is how many more books did I buy this week?
3: Oh, that's right, dude.
0: Dang. What is my stack looking like? I made a new graphic for the for the show too.
1: So, oh,
2: John's
3: stack. Uh, I'm gonna say. Just, just the fact that we read so many books, and that there were some other hot issues. Um, hmm, I want to go more than fifteen on this one. Honestly, I want to do sixteen. Oh, good one, good one.
2: I, yeah, I was that was where I was gonna put it. I'm gonna say seventeen.
1: We go f- fourteen.
2: That's a that's a good thumbnail, Tyler. I like that a lot. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, chat. There was a whole thread. On the Discord, uh, it was on the Pals Pulse thread on our Discord server, which you should absolutely join. Where you guys were trying to guess at my stack count this week. Uh, Matt said eleven, Harvok said ten, Dan with twelve, a whole bunch of numbers, different numbers. I don't actually know what the amount is, um, and I thought I knew what it would be, but then I went to the store.
1: <laughs> Can we see the the thickness? Oh, yeah. The yep, girth, show us the girth, yeah.
2: Sean. All right, show so us your go. girth, Sean.
0: I mean, Perez says 18. Oh, my goodness. All right, so here it is. Oh, I'm just, off. It's, I'm, it's, way, I'm way off <laughs> my stack and all its glory. Uh, it's 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 a thick week, not gonna lie, it really is. But let's see what the actual number is.
2: Well, what, what was your guess, Tyler? Uh, it was 14,
0: but I think I'm wrong. Oh, yeah, you are. <laughs> So we've got the, the eight total that we discussed here on the show, plus Dracula number four. Oh, yes. Got to read that. Me too. Uh, Hexagon Bridge number five.
3: Has that been good? I don't know. Damn it.
0: <laughs> I have no idea. My
2: favorite answer in this segment. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Red Sonia number
1: seven.
3: More than ask?
0: You shouldn't.
1: Yeah, now, that's, a, that's a cover next, purchase. What happened? Red Sony one's a cover purchase.
0: No, I bought I love Red Sony. I've been buying every issue for years. Yeah.
2: I don't think that changes uh the statement. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, fair enough. This next book, I I don't actually know how this ended up in my stack. I this was a mistake by, but it is what it is. Uh the Flash number Woo! five. Oh boy! Oh boy! I don't, I don't know what happened.
3: Bean
2: gotcha.
0: I guess
1: so. You don't even have a pull list either. You're you're raw pulling these. So yeah, yeah You just got absolutely. mesmerized into it.
0: I don't I don't know why I bought that, but I will not make that mistake again. Was
3: that three or four?
2: Bean. Four. four. Okay. Beans a Marco's minion. Can't believe it. Betrayed.
0: Detective Comics number ten eighty one. And. Zorro number one. Ooh. Which is Ooh, by signed. Sean Gordon Murphy. Signed, yeah. sealed, and delivered. Midtown had many variants that were signed, but I went with this one because it reminds me of uh the Bat the Murphy verse, the, the Batman Murphy verse yeah. stuff. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't realize
1: that's that came out. Stack.
2: That's it. That's Nine, it. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, f- that's fourteen. Oh. Not that bad. Let's nice. go. Bad. I
0: got it. Yeah. I didn't expect to buy Zoro. I didn't expect to buy the Flash. Uh, so
1: yeah. Did the Zoro the the, the Zoro signed one? What signed? did he sign? Like a lease agreement or something?
2: <laughs> That's what's oh, on the back God. of that card.
1: Got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Purchasing this comic and and signing on the uh, on the bill signs over my rights as a human to Sean Gordon Murphy. Yeah, you have to pay
2: him rent to exist now. <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness. Atomic Hound said he's under. You were under. What was your what what did you what was you said Uh he said he said 12. Okay. He said
2: 12.
0: Oh, yeah, oh yeah, 14. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh big week for comics. I hope to get to a lot of these. I mean, I got to over half for the show's purposes. Um <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh <laughs> we nailed Flash. I don't know why I bought Flash. I je- I like I re- I looked through my stack earlier and I was like, "Oh well, wait, why the fuck I, I don't have to read this. I could never read this again if I don't want to. Why why did I buy this?" The, li- the listeners aren't going to vote Flash in again.
3: Marco well, lost. The have, evil has been defeated. I didn't ask them to, so.
2: You did.
1: You definitely yeah, did. You did. Marco was was possibly not going to be on the show today, so he, he didn't put as much effort into uh and- that getting the vote to, Yeah.
2: And and even still, like, I half heartedly challenged Marco. That's right. And I won. With Thor. Like.
3: Kale's kills uh Kale's wards. Kale's wards. Yeah. Pulled through.
2: No, Thor's just a good book. You can't beat <laughs> a good book, baby.
3: There
0: you go. There you go.
2: Apparently, you can't beat a bad book either, but <laughs> mm-hmm
0: let's let's hit the listener pick poll one more time before we cut out. So you guys can vote over on youtube.com/ the comics pals under the community tab. While you vote when you vote, make sure you hit the like button it helps us out on these types of posts to let YouTube know that uh, people want to see this from us and then it, it gets distributed to more people. Voting also does that. so it's an easy way to help us out. So Avengers Twilight sits at num- at 42% of the vote. Duke sits at 31% of the vote. Alan Scott Green Lantern went up. It's at 19% of the vote now. And Wolverine actually went down to 8% of the vote. So things haven't changed too, too much. Alan Scott jumping up a lot. Twilight, though, still in poll position. There's still plenty of time. You've got until Wednesday to cast your vote in this particular poll. we got to crank those numbers up, so make sure you hit that up. Thank you so much for tuning in. The next time we will be live with you is Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern. So make sure that you come hang out with us for that. But if you want us in any other way, you know how to find us at The Comics Pals all over social media. YouTube.com slash The Comics Pals as our home base. Podcast platforms at The Comics Pals. Patreon.com slash The Comics Pals. You know the route. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We will see you on Saturday for the main show until then we thank you we love you take care guys
2: see you next week